0: In a world where people make podcasts, yes, 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 yes! One man makes another podcast. And ah! another about football. That was a goal. Welcome to Here's
1: of Hurt, a Euro 2020 podcast. Hello and welcome to Years of Hurt, a Euro 2020 podcast. Yes, they're still calling it 2020, even though it's 2021. They already had the t-shirts printed, there's nothing they could do. I'm Richard Carey, and for the next month I'll be bringing you coverage of the 16th UEFA European Championships. From the group stages, to the round of 16, to the quarters, semis and final I'll be bringing you all the action and reaction from the tournament, paying particular attention to the home nations who have qualified. That's England, Wales and Scotland. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at Euros throughout the tournament. Let us know what you think and get involved. So after a year of delay due to COVID, which saw ITV4 replay Euro 96 in full the BBC show, a variety of classic internationals, and we were stuck watching marbles for sport. But Euro 2020 is finally here. On this preview show, I'll be taking a look at all 24 teams and giving you my predictions on how things will pan out. So to celebrate the 60th anniversary of the Euros, well, it was the 60th last year, the tournament doesn't have one host nation. It has several. Yes, it's an ambitious idea, That's made worse by the bad timing with a worldwide pandemic going on. The matches will be taking place at Euro 2020 at Wembley Stadium in London, the Allianz Arena in Munich, Germany, Stadio Olimpico in Rome, Italy, the Olympic Stadium in Baku, Azerbaijan, Kretowski Stadium in St. Petersburg, Russia, Arena Nationale in Bucharest, Romania, the Johan Cruyff Arena in Amsterdam, Holland, Stadio de la Cartuja in Seville, Spain, the Puskas Arena in Budapest, Hungary, Hampden Park in Glasgow in Scotland and Parkton Stadium in Copenhagen in Denmark. So there are 11 host nations in total, two of which Romania and Azerbaijan haven't even qualified for the tournament. All England's matches in the group stage will take place on home soil at Wembley, whereas Scotland have two of their matches at Hand Park and the match against England at Wembley. Wales have to travel to Azerbaijan for their first two matches and then on to Italy. So Germany, Italy, Russia, the Netherlands, Spain, Hungary and Denmark will all be playing games on their home turf. Dublin was also supposed to be a venue, but unfortunately it was dropped at the last minute. Both the semi-finals and the final will be hosted at Wembley. It will be the first major international tournament to have a final at Wembley since Euro 96. So could football really be coming home after 55 years? We'll have to find out. And fans will be allowed into the stadiums, but for most of them that means reduced numbers. Attendance will vary between 22% and 50% apart from Hungary's Puskas Stadium, which is planning to have 100% attendance. I guess this all sort of sours the appeal of this multinational tournament, you know, not being able to have all the fans and have like a Euros that are partly in England is disappointing. Even though it's a very legitimate reason to do this, and obviously it's better than last year, having the Premier League and all those matches in front of no fans with a piped-in atmosphere. At least we've got something. The first match takes place on Friday the 11th of June, with the final exactly a month later on Sunday the 11th of July. Let's have a look at the odds now. There's obviously a few teams quite well tipped to win the whole thing. France are all the favourites at five to one according to Betfred, with England also at five to one. England always get really good odds in these years Euro- I think because I think people are going to bet on them a lot. It doesn't really reflect how successful they've actually been in tournaments, which is not that very, not that much really, apart from obviously 1966. Um, Belgium are in third place, 6-1, then you've got Germany at 15-2, Spain 8-1, Portugal 8-1, Italy 11-1, the Netherlands also 11-1, Denmark 28-1, and Croatia 33-1, that's the top 10. Uh, Then you've got Wales all the way back on 125-1, and Scotland, the rank outsiders with Finland and Hungary, With 250 to 1. I think the worst, I think the highest odds are North Macedonia, which is 500 to 1. So really, all things considered, I think the obvious bet would be on France, you know, winning the World Cup three years ago and having so many star players. We'll get into that a little bit later. So what's also interesting is the golden boot. Let's take a look at some of those odds now. Harry Kane is top of the list at 5 to 1. Obviously, he won the golden boot at the World Cup. Lukaku slightly behind at 6-1, Mbappe 9-1 along with Ronaldo also 9-1, Memphis Depay at 16-1 along with Benzema and Griezmann, Immobile and Werner are also on 20-1 and Lewandowski is 25-1, obviously the highest scorer in Europe this season, but is a 25-1 because Poland don't tend to do very well at international tournaments. Um I think it's pretty fair to say that that's also pretty reflective you know I would expect Harry Kane to perhaps be the highest scorer but you could have someone like Mbappe or even Ronaldo who always scores quite a lot for Portugal because he's quite the the single player to score goals whereas England probably have more more players who can score so maybe that will make a difference I don't know. So we're going to go through each group and talk about the teams that are in it. We'll start with Group A, which is the group that Wales are in.
0: Chester to Gunter. Still the wing-back's come forward. It's one...
1: So you might remember five years ago, Wales had a really good run in the Euros, um, obviously backed by that Manic Street Preachers song, Together Stronger. They got to the semi-finals of Euro 2016 with Chris Coleman at the helm, but lost out to the eventual winners, Portugal. But They failed to qualify for the 2018 World Cup. And this lead up to Euro 2020 has been marred by Ryan Giggs, who uh, obviously is the manager of Wales but has been charged with assaulting two women and exerting controlling and coercive behaviour. He will go on trial in January 2022. And he's still technically Wales manager, but assistant Robert Page will be in charge of the Euros. Obviously not looking too good off the pitch for Wales. In the squad, we have some interesting picks, so I'm going to go through the entire squad. So we got in goal Adam Davis, Wayne Hennessy and Danny Ward. Defenders James Lawrence, Chris Mapham... Chris Gunter, Connor Roberts, Joe Roden, Rhys Norrington-Davis, Ben Cabango, Ben Davis and Neko Williams. In midfield, you've got Reuben Colville, Aaron Ramsey, Joe Murrell, Ethan Ampadu, Joe Allen, Johnny Williams, Matt Smith, Dylan Levitt, David Brooks and Harry Wilson. And up front, Dan James, Gareth Bale, Kiefer Moore and Tyler Roberts. So some recognisable names there. Aaron Ramsey, uh, who's at Juve at the moment, hasn't been doing too well for Juve. And of course, Gareth Bale, who was on loan to Tottenham this season. uh, Not perhaps as good as people would have thought he would be, considering the first spell he had at Tottenham. But they are both in the squad and obviously really important players for Wales. They also picked Ruben Covil, who at 19 years old has never been capped for Wales only made his first start for Cardiff in April 2021. So it's a bit of a roll the dice to include him. So they must think very highly of Rubin to put him in the in the side only after a couple of months really playing in the Championship. I guess the question will be, Is if can Wales recapture that form they had five years ago? I think it's going to be an uphill battle to try and do that because just of the nature of who's playing in this tournament and just how things have been going off the pitch... I think to try and recapture that form is going to be quite difficult, especially when you consider that they're sort of players that they relied on a lot five years ago. They're still in the side, but they haven't been playing as well on a regular basis. We move on to Italy, who are four-time World Cup winners, 1934, 1938 in the Mussolini years, 1982 and of course 2006. They won the European Championship just once in 1968 but were runners-up twice in 2000 and 2012. Their manager Roberto Mancini took over after Italy failed to qualify for the World Cup 2018, and now they're unbeaten in 25 games, admittedly against weaker sides that they faced in qualifying and friendlies. They've only actually faced three teams in the top 20 in that run. Their squad includes the goalkeeper Donna Runner, who's the first choice keeper. He's a 22-year-old and he's leaving AC Milan this summer after his contract expires. Not really sure where he's going yet. You've got the experience in Cellini, the 36-year-old captain who's already played in two Euros and two World Cups. Chelsea midfielder Jorginho, striker Ciro Immobile, who scored 20 goals for Lazio this season. They're the real players to watch out for. They are the odds-on favourites to win this group, which isn't surprising considering the quality they've got on their side. Um, And obviously they're on beaten streaks, so you definitely say Wales are going to struggle against the Italians when they face them. Switzerland made the last 16 of Euro 2016 and the World Cup 2018. Their manager is Vladimir Petkovic, but he has been hit by injuries in the run-up to tournament, including Fabian Schär, who was injured for most of the season, but is back now. Their star player, Jordan Schickery, hasn't really been getting the games he needs at Liverpool, but he'll be hoping to turn on the style for this international tournament, along with Granit Xhaka, who's been stuck out of position in a disappointing season for Arsenal. The Swiss are always pretty good at getting through a group stage and very defensive minded generally. We will see how well they can cope this time round, but they, they would say they've got quite good odds of getting through at least a group stage. <laughs> Turkey were third place finishers at the 2002 World Cup and semi-finalists at Euro 2008. The man who got them to third place in the World Cup, Senol Gunez, has returned to manage the side for this tournament. It's a pretty strong Turkish side this time out, with an impressive defensive record of eight clean sheets in qualifying. That is pretty great. At the back, they've got Lester Sionsu and Lille's Mehmet Ziki Selik to give them a strong foundation. There's no slouches up front either with Burak Yilmaz backing 16 goals for Lille this campaign. They have odds of 50-1, to maybe a potential dark horse here in Turkey. Um, Obviously, they've got the quality of players and, and the strength of the back to really give their opponents some trouble this year. So I'm going to give you my prediction of where people are going to finish. I think Wales are going to struggle. And sadly, I think they're not going to qualify out their group because it's unlikely that, that lightning strikes twice in this occasion. So I'm going to go fourth, Wales. Third, Switzerland. Second, Turkey. And in first place, Italy. I think Italy will stroll through as group winners. Turkey and Switzerland will be quite close. And Wales, will, I think they'll pick up at least a point. But I don't think it's going to go too well.
0: Here's Lukaku now Like a tank He's done well De Bruyne De Bruyne 2-0 Belgium What is going on here?
1: Let's go to Group B And it features Belgium The star attraction of this group The golden generation of Belgian footballers Who finished 3rd at the 2018 World Cup But were disappointingly knocked out of Euro 2016 In the quarter-finals by the aforementioned Wales. But they had a perfect record in qualifying 10 wins out of 10. You can't ask for better. And manager Roberto Martinez favours a 3-4-3 formation. They're likely to stick with that in this tournament. A couple of players to talk about. First off, Eden Hazard, who struggled at Real Madrid with injuries since joining them in 2019. He hasn't actually played for Belgium in over a year. Kevin De Bruyne, the Man City midfield stalwart, picked up an injury in the Champions League final and now a bit of a doubt for their first game. Also a doubt is Axel Witzel. He's been out of action since January with a torn Achilles tendon, but there are options for Belgium in midfield like Tjeldemans from Leicester and Dendonka from Wolves. Then you've got Romelu Lukaku who's been on form this season with Inter up front with 24 goals tipped as one of the favourites for Golden Boot you've got to think he's going to bag a few in that group stage the defence is getting on a bit though with Aude Vireld Vertonghen and Vermalen all in their 30s I say getting on I'm 33 myself but they're basically that age themselves but you know it's football and people need to be physically fit so perhaps that might affect them or it might be a problem obviously going forward in future tournaments where they might not be able to play so we shall see, but it looks like a very strong Belgian side, nonetheless. Denmark
0: were surprise Euro 1992
1: winners. And their best record in the World Cup was quarter-finalists in 1998. They're managed by Norwegian Kasper Himgeln. I think that's how you pronounce it. In goal, they got Kasper Schmeichel, leg- the son of legendary keeper Peter Schmeichel. The Leicester keeper has been praised for his recent performances, particularly in the FA Cup final victory against Chelsea. He also got former Tottenham, now Inter Milan midfielder Christian Eriksen. Struggling a little bit in Italy, but... And put in the transfer list back in January, but has fought his way back into the team and looks like he's going to be really important for the Danish. It's Finland's first ever tournament they've successfully qualified for the coach marco carverna is an arsenal fan who loves to play tennis and paddle which is kind of a scaled down version of doubles tennis he's very tactical minded i think he spends a lot of time on football manager and the best known player for Finland is Pucky, a fantasy football favourite from a few seasons ago before Norwich got relegated. He's three goals away from overtaking Yari Lipmanen as the nation's top scorer, so I'm sure he'll be hoping to do that at the Euros with a few goals. He's helped Norwich become a boomerang team as they've gone straight back up from the championship to the Premier League. As for Russia, their best performance was as the Soviet Union, the winners of the first Euros in 1960, and the USSR finished fourth at the 1996 World Cup. I'm sure there's something else significant about that one. As Russia, they hosted the last World Cup in 2018 and got to the quarterfinals, but failed to get out of the group in Euro 2016. Manager Stanislav Cheshishov as a former goalkeeper who took over after Euro 2016. Zubia has to be their big name. He's sort of like a John Cena of Russian football. He joined Zenit St. Petersburg from Spartak Moscow quite a few years ago, and Spartak fans have never really forgiven him since. So he's a bit of a, you know, bit of a diversive crowd reaction, shall we say. He was dropped for three games last year. Due to a video that was leaked where he was, uh, well, maybe you should just look it up on Wikipedia and find out for yourself. Because it's, you really should have checked that his webcam was switched off. That's all I'll say. The goalkeeper Anton Shunin is now Russia's first choice after Akin 5. The former keeper and captain retired from international football in October 2018. There was a few rumblings of him coming back, but that hasn't happened. So my prediction for Group B. I'm going to go Finland in fourth place russia in third place denmark in second place but i think belgium are going to coast it at the top of the table in first group c features austria who finished in third at the 1954 world cup but have only ever played in two euros That's Euro 2008 as joint hosts and Euro 2016. They failed to get out of the group stage on both occasions. They were heavily tipped as underdogs in Euro 2016. I remember even backing them myself, but they really flopped to that tournament. But coach France Foda has plenty of options with star player David Alaba, the captain and Bayern Munich defender, who's agreed to sign for Real Madrid this summer. He was a FIFA cover star on some versions of FIFA 15 and FIFA 16. Time will only tell which kind of Austria shows up and whether they'll have the attacking ability to really do anything in this Group C. So let's move on to the Netherlands World Cup finalists back in 1974, 1978 and 2010, and also Euro 88 winners. They didn't actually qualify for Euro 2016 or the 2018 World Cup, so it's been seven years since their last major tournament. A year delay to the Euros allowed Memphis Depay time to recover from injury, but saw star defender Virgil van Dijk get injured in the process, which has really hampered Liverpool's season. Manager Ronald Koeman, who led the Netherlands to qualify for the Euros, left to join Barcelona, so Frank Tabor has taken over the reins. Now you might remember Frank from his 77-day spell at Crystal Palace, where he was sacked after only five games. He did win the EFL Cup match, but lost all four league matches without Palace scoring a goal. So not exactly the best record, but there you go. Players to watch out for are Memphis Depay, the former Man United striker who scored 20 goals this season for Lyon and is now being reported as a target for Barcelona. They got Barcelona midfielder Frankie de Jong, who was in the FIFA Pro World XI in 2019, and some have even compared him to Johan Cruyff himself. The Netherlands will definitely be favourites for this group and play all their games in Holland. <laughs> On to North Macedonia. It's their first ever international tournament, but, well, they only actually became North Macedonia in 2019. The former Yugoslav republic has had many different names since splitting from the Eastern Bloc. They actually beat Germany in a World Cup qualifier 2-1 recently. And coach Anglavoski has been there since 2013. He convinced Goran Pandev to come out of international retirement. The 38-year-old scored over 100 goals in Syria, over the course of his career, there's also Leeds Alioski, who scored 21 goals for the club since joining them in 2017. Perhaps a little bit of a dark horse, North Macedonia here being quite underrated by the bookies. Could they create a bit of an upset? Let's hope so. Our final team in Group C is Ukraine. They were quarter finalists in the 2006 World Cup but have never got out of the group stage in the Euros. They didn't qualify for the 2018 World Cup and finished in the group stage of Euro 2016. Led by a very recognisable name, Androv Shechenko is the Ukraine coach, the winner of the Ballon d'Or back in 2004 and known for his rather disappointing spell at Chelsea back in the day. He joined in 2016 as manager after the Euros and this is his first big international tournament as a manager. You might want to watch out for Atalanta midfielder Ruslan Malinovsky. He's a creative midfielder and a free-kick specialist that might trouble the other sides, as well as West Ham's Andriyv Yarmolenko, who wasn't always playing in the season, but has been known to turn on the style for Ukraine in the past. So my prediction for Group C, now I'm going to be quite bold with this one, because I'm thinking North Macedonia might just be a dark horse. So I'm going to say Ukraine will finish fourth, Austria will come third, North Macedonia will come second and the Netherlands will top the group.
0: It is Kieran Trippier. It is delicious! Glorious, glorious England goal! Picture perfect! There is not a better strike than that.
1: Alright then, here we go. Group D, this is what we've all been waiting for. The big one. We've got two British sides in Group D, starting off with England, the 1966 World Cup winners, who finished third in the Euros in 1968 and were semi-finalists in Euro 96. They were also semi-finalists at the 2018 World Cup when they lost to Croatia, but they lost disappointingly in the round of 16 in Euro 2016 to Iceland, who, well, luckily England will be delighted to know that Iceland haven't qualified. Trent Alexander Arnold was picked in the initial 26-man squad but is now out due to injury, picked up in a friendly against Austria. Nick Pope, the Burnley keeper, has also missed out on the tournament due to an injury. There were lots of options for the squad though. If you looked at the play if you looked at the initial 33 that Gareth Southgate chose, James Madison and Patrick Bamford, the likes of those were left out of the side, and they're quality England players, and you can see that there's a lot to choose from here, and actually England have a lot of choices and that can only be a good thing. Let's go through the entire squad we start with the goalkeepers Jordan Pickford, Dean Henderson and Sam Johnston obviously Hendo the second choice keeper at United but probably going to be first choice keeper going into next season. Defenders we've got Kyle Walker, Luke Shaw, John Stones, Harry Maguire, Kieran Trippier, Tyrone Mings, Connor Cody, Ben Chilwell Ben White and Reese James. Ben White there replacing Trent Alexander-Arnold. Harry Maguire's a little bit of an injury doubt, and I wonder whether we should even pick injured players because it always seems like it never really works. Even if they do play, they're just sort of at 70%, and it never quite works. But Southgate was criticised for bringing four right backs, and obviously one got injured, so maybe he was right to do that just in case that happened. You know, he was preparing for the worst. Let's say that. <laughs> Um, we haven't got many midfielders though, although people technically uh, classified as midfielders anyway. There's Declan Rice, Jordan Henderson, Calvin Phillips, Mason Mount and Jude Bellingham. Up front we've got Jack Grealish, Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling, Marcus Rashford, Jadon Sancho, Dominic calvert lewin and Bukayo Saka. So James Ward-Prowse and Lingard missed out on the 26th, although Lingard has been informed. And James Ward-Prowse has had a pretty good season at Southampton. But there are players from outside of the English league in the squad, like Kieran Trippier, who plays for Atletico Madrid, and Bellingham and Sancho play for Borussia Dortmund. And I think this can only be a good thing, you know, having players who have played. In the different leagues where they have different styles, will only help against teams like Spain and Germany and could give England a little bit something different, like Owen Hargreaves did back in the 2006 World Cup. There are lots of defenders in the squad, and that probably goes with Southgate's tactics of a back three with two wing backs. There is a slight concern about what happens at the back with the goalkeeper situation. You know, Pope was on form this season. Pickford's probably going to be the first choice and he did play well back at the World Cup three years ago, but has been a little bit dodgy since. Uh, Henderson's had a decent run of games at the end of the season, but it will be interesting to see how we do from a goalkeeping perspective. It always seems like there's some sort of calamity only just around the corner of England goalkeepers. Players to look out for will obviously be Harry Kane, who won the golden boot of the World Cup. Expect to see his scoring continue here. And Marcus Rashford, who's been very... Involved on and off the pitch with his uh, campaigns during COVID, like the school meals campaign. Seems like the Prime Minister listens to Marcus Rashford more than the opposition party at the moment. And then there's Jack Grealish, a fantasy football favourite, definitely for my team. I think I expect him to shine in this competition, come into his own and score a couple of goals. England get to play all of their group games on home soil at Wembley, and that should help them a little bit in this group. There is a slight concern about this group because the winners of Group D will face the runners-up of Group F, which happens to be the group of death, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But basically, you kind of want to avoid that because that's going to be a very difficult round of 16 draw. So ideally, you probably want to finish second because that means you get a better draw. I think runners-up of Group E or something like that. So it's a lot better to come second in this group than first. Obviously, you don't really want to aim for second because then you could end up fourth accidentally, couldn't you? Out of the three sides, England got to face. They've got to face Scotland, Croatia and Czech Republic. Obviously, Croatia, a little bit of a bogey team for England. You know, With there was obviously the semi-finals of the World Cup where we lost in extra time. And of course the qualifying for Euro 2008 where England lost 3-2 to Croatia and Steve McLaren's side didn't qualify. So there's plenty of bad blood between Croatia. I'm sure England will want to beat them and get their own back. I think Czech Republic should be relatively a straightforward game. You'd think so. The Scotland game is going to be very heated. You can tell pubs around the country and in the stadium it's going to be a heated atmosphere it always is when it's England versus Scotland and I think Scotland are going to be really up for that game anyway
0: Alexander Mitrovic has to score for Serbia and Marshall has saved yes one big yes it's a happy ending for Scotland for a change the time has come! The time really
1: has come! We're going to talk about Scotland now, actually. this their first major tournament since France 98 and the first Euros since Euro 96. They've never got past the group stage when they have qualified. They will be playing two of their games on home soil at Hampden Park and will face England at Wembley in a repeat of the Euro 96 match, which you might remember finished 2-0 to England and had the famous dentist chair celebration from Paul Gascoigne.
0: Oh, here's Gascoigne. Gascoigne, you can finish it here! Look, Gascoigne! 2-0! Would you believe it? From one end of the field to the other, the crowd are in raptures. The England players, too.
1: Their coach is former West Brom and Reading manager Steve Clark, who joined Scotland in 2019. Let's go through the Scotland squad. We've got David Marshall, Craig Gordon and John McLaughlin as the goalkeepers. In defence, you've got Stephen O'Donnell, Andy Robertson, Grant Hanley, Kieran Tierney, Greg Taylor, Declan Gallagher, Liam Cooper, Nathan Patterson, Jack Henry and Scott McKenna. In midfield, you've got Scott McTominay. John McGinn, Callum McGregor, Ryan Christie, John Fleck, Stuart Armstrong, David Turnbull, Ryan Fraser, Billy Gilmore and James Forrest. And up front, we've got Lyndon Dykes, Che Adams and Kevin Nisbet. So quite a few good options in defence for Scotland with quality left backs like Andy Robertson at Liverpool, another fantasy football team favourite for me, and Chierney at Celtic. There's a bit of a battle to try and incorporate both of them into a starting eleven. And Scott Mottomine has been on form, had a good game in the Europa League final for Man United. Scotland have been playing him in defence lately, so it'll be interesting to see which position he starts in. Perhaps Scotland are lacking a few options up front, only three strikers in the squad. Will there be enough goals in the Scotland side? That's the big question here. Or will they be stuck with a lot of draws or a lot of narrow defeats? They have had a couple of good friendlies they only drew against the Netherlands 2-2 and beat Luxembourg 1-0 so they have some form going into the tournament I'm sure they'll be fired up for this you know, if Scotland beat England, I don't think they'll care about anything else or qualifying It's just like yes, we beat England, that's that's good enough for us I don't know, <laughs> especially if they knocked out England, I don't think that's going to happen that's, that's a bit fighting talk now I've dug a hole for myself, I think Let's move on to Croatia, the 2018 World Cup finalists who also finished third at France 98 back in the day. They are Euro 96 and 2008 quarter finalists. They just got to the round of 16, though, in 2016. They've really, they have really struggled in the Nations League. They only won one match and almost got relegated. But their qualification to the Euros went a lot smoother. A couple of things have happened with Croatia since the 2018 World Cup, including players retiring from international football like Subašić, Strinic, Mandzukic and Rakitic. They've all retired. They've been replaced by Livaković, Barisic, Vlasic and Pekovic. They've kept with manager Zlatko Dalic who did get them to the final three years ago. The spotlight will be on 35-year-old captain and Real Madrid midfielder Luka Modric. At a great World Cup three years ago, probably one of the players of the tournament. He is getting a little bit older in the years, perhaps but he's still an absolute quality player. The Czech Republic are the final team in Group D. The old Czechoslovakia were Euro winners in 1976 and World Cup runners-up in 1934 and 1962, but the Czech Republic are former Euro runners-up in their own right in Euro 96. That was their first tournament as an independent nation. They qualified for the 2006 World Cup, but were knocked out in the group stage. And they only made it to the group stage of Euro 2016 and failed to qualify for the 2018 World Cup. Their coach, Jaroslav Silovi, holds the record for the most red cards in the Czech League. So, sort of like the Roy Keane of the Czech League. The team includes West Ham midfielder Thomas Suchek, who's had a decent season with the Hammers, and Hertha Berlin midfielder Vladimir Derrida. Perhaps goal-scoring will be the issue, with Bayer Patrick Schick stuck up front on his own. So my prediction for this group is, in fourth place, Czech Republic. In third place, Scotland. I think we'll get a win over the Czech Republic, putting them into third. Second, Croatia, but first England. I think England will have a bit of a bone to pick with Croatia. And although it's going to be a hard draw if they do get a group f runner up i think southgate's attitude will be it's much better to win psychologically it's much better to win a group than come second and obviously you can't play for second because then it's a very dangerous game so i think england will win the group i think there will be croatia i think just past scotland uh, but usually it's probably one draw now which might be the croatia match but i think at least seven points for england in this group stage So we have eight teams left to look at as we reach Group E and we start with Spain. They're the 2010 World Cup winners, the Euro 2008 and 2012 winners and they also won the Euros back in 1964. They did get knocked out in the round of 16 at both the 2018 World Cup and Euro 2016. There was a bit of chaos involved their managers last time around at the World Cup but Luis Enrique took over in July 2018 after that. Spain were unbeaten in qualifying with 8 wins and 2 draws and there's lots of recognisable names in the Spain squad including David De Gea from Man United, Cesar Azpilicueta from Chelsea, Diego Llorente from Leeds, Laporte from Man City, Rodri from Man City, Thiago from Liverpool, Fernand Torres from Man City and Adama Traore for Wolves. Lots of Premier League players in the Spanish squad. Luis Enrique only picked 24 players when he was allowed to pick 26 and it excluded Sergio Ramos who had been struggling with injuries and was left out of the squad. You might regret only picking 24 as Sergio Busquets has tested positive for COVID-19 and the entire squad has had to go in isolation and pull out of the final warm-up game against Lithuania. Basically, they're getting the under-21s to play them. It's all gone a bit peak tong, and a little bit worried about how they even play their games now. So not a good thing for the spanish side. Obviously will be favorites in this group. They haven't really lived up to their name since 2012, so we'll see if they can do it this time round. <laughs> We move on to Poland, who finished third in the World Cup in 1974 and 1982. They got to the quarterfinals of Euro 2006, but only the group stage at the 2018 World Cup. They're managed by Paolo Sousa, the former Swansea and Leicester manager. He only managed three months at Leicester before he was sacked. The Golden Shoe 2020-21 winner Robert Lewandowski is in the side. He scored 41 goals at Bayern Munich and has 118 caps for Poland with 66 goals. They'll be expecting him to add a few to Poland's score sheet this time round. They also have Juve keeper Szczesny and Marseille striker Milik who impressed five years ago. The question will be whether Lewandowski can get enough service to score enough goals to help Poland advance in the tournament. Slovakia got to the round of 16 at the 2010 World Cup, the only one they've actually qualified for. They made it to the round of 16 at Euro 2016. Their captain, Marek Hamšík is probably their best-known player. The former Napoli midfielder is currently playing in the Swedish league for IFK Göteborg. They also have Newcastle keeper Martin Dubrovka in their ranks. I don't think a lot is being expected for Slovakia this time around. But you never know, they could always spring an upset. Our final team in Group E is Sweden, the runners-up at the 1954 World Cup and semi-finalists at Euro 92. They were quarter-finalists at the 2018 World Cup but got knocked out in the group stage of Euro 2016. There was a lot of talk about Zlatan Ibrahimović before the tournament. He retired from international football after Euro 2006. There was some talk about him coming back for the World Cup, but he didn't. But he was selected in a squad for a... 2022 World Cup qualifier but he didn't get into the Euro 2020 squad due to an injury so he was due to come back but unfortunately that injury has set him back. So Sweden will have to rely on the likes of Sebastian Larsson in in midfield and Alexander Isak up front to trouble their opposition. Manager Hane Andersson took over after Euro 2006 and saw Sweden qualify for the Euros in second place just behind Spain so they will be facing Spain again here. My prediction for this group, I think Slovakia will finish fourth. Not much expected of them. Sweden in third place. Poland with Lewandowski in second place. And Spain at the top of the group in first place. Final group now. It's Group F and it's a big one. It's a group of death. It really is. This group has the... 2018 world cup winners the 2014 world cup winners and the euro 2016 winners all in the same group what a group of death it is the winners of england's group group d will face whoever finishes second in this group in the round of 16 so something to watch out for there we start out with the reigning world champions france they were euro 2016 finalists and really they should have won that tournament let's be honest about it They also won the World Cup at France 98 and won the Euros in 1984 and 2000. Didier Deschamps has been in charge of the national side for nine years now. The former France captain has guided them to success and they won eight matches in qualifying but did lose out to Turkey. It's worth keeping an eye on Anton Griezmann, the top scorer at Euro 2016 and silver boot winner at the 2018 World Cup. He struggled since moving from Atletico Madrid to Barcelona in 2019, though. Kylian Mbappe, the youngster, the 22-year-old PSG striker and FIFA cover star, impressed a lot of the World Cup. He got 26 goals for PSG this season, so expect him to be on form. Along with Chelsea midfielder and Golo Kante, who seems to win trophies for fun, he recently added a Champions League to his lofty collection as well as Man United midfielder Paul Pogba and Tottenham keeper Hugo Loris, who are also in the squad, as well as Karim Benzema, a surprise pick, since he has been left out of the international side for six years, but could add an extra element to the French up front. As I mentioned before, France are the favourites for this tournament. It's not surprising with that sort of star power. I expect them to do well here. On to Germany, the four-time World Cup winners in 1954, 1974, 1990 and 2014. They also won the Euros three times in 1972, 1980 and of course 1996, so they do know something about winning a final at Wembley. They were shockingly knocked out at the group stages of the 2018 World Cup but did get to the semi-finals of Euro 2016. Usually Germany are incredibly consistent about getting to the Final Four but the World Cup was a bit of a slip-up for them. They won 7 out of their 8 matches in qualifying with 1-4-2 loss to the Netherlands and as I mentioned before they lost a World Cup qualifier to North Macedonia and were beaten 6-0 by Spain in the Nations League last year. Joachim Low, who has been in charge of the German side for 15 years, has announced he will resign from his position after Euro 2020. He's going to be replaced by his former assistant manager, Hans Dieter Flick. So, there's definitely going to be some change after this, so it might be a case of not much to lose for Joachim Low because he's going anyway, so that might help him. I don't know. Germany will be playing all three matches on home soil at the Allianz Arena in Munich. Ilki Gundan from Man City is in the squad after a good season, along with Kai Havertz, who scored the winner for Chelsea in a Champions League final. He's also there with his Chelsea teammate Timo Werner. There's plenty of picks from Bayern Munich, like Thomas Müller, who's had a great record at international tournaments, Captain Manuel Neuer, who was struggling with fitness before the World Cup last time, and Leroy Sane, who's still only 25 years old. Germany have just come off the back of beating Latvia 7-1, so they will have some confidence going into the tournament after a somewhat shaky couple of years. As they say, never write off the Germans. We're on to Hungary, the World Cup runners-up way back in 1938 and 1954 but they've never qualified for the World Cup since 1986. They finished third in the European Championships back in 1964. They got to the round of 16 at Euro 2016 when they faced Portugal in a 3-3 draw in the group stage in one of the matches of the, of the tournament, so I'll be looking forward to that one this time round. They knocked out Iceland in the playoffs to get the Euros. They didn't do well in their qualifying group as they only finished fourth, but got through thanks to the Nations League. See, it does come in handy. Hungary will be co-hosting the tournament. They'll be playing two of their matches at the Puskas Arena. Marco Rossi is their coach. He's ex-Hovund and uses the same free 5 2 formation he did at the club to win the Hungarian title in 2017. He ended up working from home for the Euro playoff as he was under quarantine at the time. A player to watch out for is Adam Nangi, who plays for Bristol City, the man who scored the winner for Hungary in the playoffs, Dominic I don't know how to pronounce his name has pulled out the tournament due to injury considering the amount of names that are missing from their squad from five years ago and even the guy who scored the winner in the playoffs is out I'm not expecting a lot from Hungary let's just say that Portugal were Euro 2016 champions despite the fact they only won a single match in 90 minutes and finished 3rd in their group. They were knocked out in the round of 16 at the 2018 World Cup. Their best finish was a 3rd place at the 1966 World Cup. All eyes will be on captain and Juve striker Cristiano Ronaldo who scored 29 goals in Syria, even with 3 weeks off to recover from Covid-19. They've also got Man United midfielder Bruno Fernandes who's had a great spell since joining the club in 2020 and Liverpool's Diego Giotta who's not only great on the pitch but he's also pretty good at FIFA. Fernando Santos overtook Luis Felipe Scolari's record as the coach of the Portugal national team with most victories after their Euro 2020 qualifying campaign. The Portugal squad this time round will be bolstered by Fernandes along with the quality of Cristiano Ronaldo. Really, Portugal do do well at these tournaments, but they are in one of the toughest groups there is. So I'm going to give you my prediction for Group F, I think. In fourth place, are going to be Hungary. They've just got the wrong group on this occasion. Third place will be Portugal. Second place will be Germany. And first place will be France. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if there's a lot of draws in this group because France-Germany could see that being like a 1-1 draw. germany portugal Portugal, France, you could see them being draws. So it could be a lot of draws. So you might not need any more than four points to sort of come second in this group. So that's my predictions for the groups. And now I'm going to the UEFA website where I'm going to put in the tournament predictions and see how the rest of the tournament would unfold based on my current predictions. So my four best third place teams are going to be Switzerland, Scotland, Sweden and Portugal. So that would make a round of 16 of Belgium versus Sweden, which I think Belgium would win. Italy versus North Macedonia. I think Italy would win that. France versus Switzerland, so I have to go for France. Croatia versus Poland, which could be a bit of a a tricky one. I go for Croatia. Spain versus Scotland. I go for Spain. England versus Germany. That's what I'm saying about the really bad draw. I'd have to go for Germany, I think. Netherlands versus Portugal. Ooh, there's a match. Uh, I go for Netherlands. Uh, Turkey versus Denmark. I go for Turkey. So that leaves a quarterfinals of Belgium versus Italy. Ooh, I think I have to go for Belgium. France versus Croatia. I Have to go for France. Spain versus Germany, which could go either way. I just go for Germany. And Netherlands Turkey. I go for Netherlands. So that leaves a semi-finals of Belgium versus France. I will go for France and Germany versus Netherlands, I will go for Germany, which leaves a final of France versus Germany and I think France will win, so I'm going to say my prediction for Euro 2020 is that France will win and they'll they'll repeat what they did back in 1998 and 2000 where they won the Euro straight after winning the World Cup. It may not happen, but it just seems like France are the best team going into the tournament, so we'll see how they do in the end. But knowing my predictions, it just won't work out anyway. What do you think? Who do you think is going to win Euros? Let us know on Twitter at Y-O-H Euros. Also, we're looking for guests to get involved in the show, have a chat about different matches throughout the tournament. So get in touch on Twitter, send us a DM and let us know if you want to get involved. So thanks very much for listening to this Euro 2020 preview show on the Years of Hurt podcast. We're going to be bringing you about two shows each week throughout the tournament. We'll also have some extra post-match reaction shows for you to enjoy. Our next episode will be after England's game on Sunday against Croatia. We'll also be recapping Wales versus Switzerland. Until then, from me, Richard Carey, goodbye.